You're listening to Woo Sox Insider, presented by your Worcester Red Sox. Well, we are back. Woo Sox Insider is back after a crazy, incredible, rainy 2023. Uh, the season is officially over. Polar Park has wrapped up all of its sporting events uh, for the calendar year. And Dave and I are sitting in a suite a little more relaxed than we usually are during the A little season. more well-rested as well. A little more well-rested. <laughs> um, obviously, we, uh, we were not as consistent with our posting and with our um, podcast this season. Uh, there was a lot going on uh, at the park, obviously, but uh, we have not forgot about our faithful Woo Sox Insider fans. Never. <laughs> we have wanted to... Uh, keep up with this uh, during the season, um, and unfortunately, we weren't able to do it. But we are back, and we are back with a vengeance for the off season. We have plans, we have guests lined up, um, and we have a lot of cool stuff that will bring Woo Sox Insider to the next level during this off season. Really prepare all of the Woo Sox faithful for 2024, where there will be even more. So, Dave. We were just brainstorming as we uh, were sitting here because we wanted to do kind of a recap episode of 2023 and all that happened at Polar Park uh, with the team, uh, with the fans, with anything in the ballpark. And so we decided that 2023 by the numbers is what we're going to call this episode because we're going to run through a lot of numbers right here, which are all extremely impressive numbers uh, that are unique to this team, and overall, it was an incredible season. I think the number one thing that we need to start off with, because the Worcester Red Sox are nothing without the Worcester Red Sox fans, 545,231 tickets sold. Woo! Leading all of minor league baseball in tickets sold. We sold out Polar Park 41 times this season. 75 games, 41 times. Actually, it was 72 games with three uh, postponements that mm. eventually got canceled. So 72 games, 41 times this park was sold out. 9,508 fans. And even when it wasn't, it sounded like it. Absolutely. The crowds every single year keep getting better. Uh, we are a part of a this this regional uh, aspect of everyone knows baseball, everyone loves baseball in the area, and it really shows with the excitement and the energy that the crowd brings every single night. Um, this season was a historic season for rain. Um, I don't have to tell any of you that. We all, <laughs> if you're living anywhere near Polar Park, you anywhere. Have windows. <laughs> you have windows. <laughs> You would see it raining a lot of the time, um, and it's truly a testament that only three of the games that this season were not able to be played because of rain, and that is a testament to our grounds crew who, during this season, pulled tarp, covered the field 50 separate times just on game days, 50 separate times. It is incredible what they do. It is incredible the amount of rain that we got in that this field looked and played as well as it did every single game. Dave, from your side of things, you know, what does a rain delay, you know, look like um, 
from from when you walk into the ballpark, when you show up three hours before the game, four hours before the game, and you see pooling in the outfield and you see pooling on the, you know, what's your mindset going in? Man, it's nuts, man, because I know we just had Ryan Leffler on not too long ago to talk about the process and how he's here with Elliot Lindstrom basically from like 9 to like 11 or sometimes even later and stuff like that. So when I hear the number 50 tarp pulls, I'm thinking how do you pull the tarp like not just once either, like multiple times sometimes when there's just even a chance of rain for a game day. They're putting the tarp on, taking it off, leaving it on overnight, taking it off in the morning, then again in the afternoon or something, and they still fit in the rest of their duties for prepping the field for the game. And it just astonishes me how you even fit all that into that. So, I mean, what it looks like for a rain delay, you come in and you see the tarp on, and everyone, you know, instantly that becomes the talk of the control room. Will we play? Will we play? Are we going to play? We don't know. Instantly you get every question from everyone about the possibilities of this game being played, what's going on, and stuff like that. And then next thing you know, it's being pulled off, and that's the new conversation and then 20 minutes later, the chalk's being painted. The pools are just all gone all of a sudden. The water is being sucked up by the drainage system that's behind uh, third base there. It's just it's just day and night with the grounds crew when it comes to prepping that field, no matter the elements. I mean, they put apart this football field that we just had the EBW Classic on in, what, just a couple of weeks? Took out the mound, repainted the entire field, got the field goal post couple up. couple of weeks. It was about three and a half total days to turn this baseball field into a football field. And that's news to me. And that it's, <laughs> it's, that's insane. I thought that was a couple of weeks because even then, just a couple of weeks, I feel like that's not enough time. And I'm not even on the grounds crew. <laughs> we put, put together a cool time lapse. We'll link it in here, be able to show it, uh, to show just how much work and effort goes into uh, that, that side of things for our grounds crew. Um, yeah, they're they're incredible, um, and you know we, we we really can't say it enough about them, and you know the the hard work that they do, and uh, Elliot Lindstrom and, and uh, Ryan Leffler. You take away their hours at this ballpark, and their staff still well exceeded ten thousand working hours here at this ballpark during the season, which is Easily. just incredible. Um, so. Let's get off of rain. Everyone's sick of the rain. So let's go into a couple other things that happened here at Polar Park. For the third year in a row, Coney Island hot dogs were the most popular food sold here at Polar Park. I don't think that's a surprise. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolute no-brainer. With that, Polar Park this year introduced a multitude of new food items. We had 115 food items available in the ballpark you could get anything from barbecue to Coney Island hot dogs to Wonder Bar pizza lobster to Dippin' Dots to lobster rolls to clam chowder. Uh, it's it's really incredible and impressive what uh, Pro Sports Catering, um, Chef Tom, everyone has done up in uh, you know in the in the kitchens and down in concessions and everything like that for the amount of food options that we are. Uh, you know, giving to our our fans, but on top of that, the diversity of what is uh, available, and also just the quality of each one of these food. The, the, this these lobster rolls are no joke. You know, you come here and you will get a lobster roll that is comparable to, to any place you can get it around here. That's my one regret from this season. You didn't get one, did you? I didn't get one. Yeah, I tried. One. I've actually never had lobster. Wow. 
let's sit on that for a moment. <laughs> we'll move on to the next. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on to the next thing, and uh, we might have even. I could have even led off with this. Back in May, Ballpark Digest held uh, a poll online for each one of the minor league baseball uh, fields, ballparks in the country. So they they did it by single A, double A, and triple A. And once again, the Woo Sox faithful came out in droves, and the fan vote overwhelmingly won Polar Park as the 2023 best triple-A ballpark in America. So that, yeah, pat pat yourselves on your back, everyone out there who voted. Um, and let's keep our eyes out for uh, you know, May 2024 when we can win that again. When there's even more. Nice. So... The other side of this is so we, we, you know, to give back to the fans, the last week of the season was our super duper fan appreciation week where we gave out over 10,000 gifts to fans. So we had six games, 10,000 gifts given out. Um, I know all the way from hats to Saks jewelers, you know, jewelry gift cards and to all sorts of jet stuff. blue round trip flight to wherever you wanted to go in the world. One fan won that. Another fan, um, in a tradition that we have kept going for a while, one of the, the children from the Boys and Girls Club was given the opportunity to go to the World Series, Yeah, which is absolutely incredible and one of the coolest traditions in all of sports. Uh, I, I, you know, imagine going to the World Series as a 12-year-old kid and being able to, and, and not to just go to the World Series, to say that the Worcester Red Sox sent me here. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a really, really cool thing, um, and... and I also should preface all of this information by saying this is all compiled, all put together by the great Bill Wanless. The Bill Wanless. The Bill Wanless, our incredible communications director here at the Worcester Red Sox. He has been with the Worcester Red Sox slash the Pawtucket Red Sox uh, for, I believe, this will be since 1985 when he started out as an intern. So we are approaching. We're getting close. We're at 39 years. We're approaching his 40th year. With the team. Absolutely incredible. And again, these are all facts and things that Bill has pulled together. And uh, we'll we'll link. There's a press release that went out. We'll link the press release as well. You can really dive into these numbers. Um, we still have <laughs> plenty more to go here. But, uh, you know, th- another really cool thing that happens here at Polar Park um, are the consistent upgrades, the consistent changes that happen around here, not just for those fans who are coming into the park, we're always trying to upgrade those type of things, like adding heaters for when it's cold, and you know, adding more ceiling fans for when it gets hot, misters out on the berm. Um, but one of the coolest things about AAA baseball is that we are a testing ground for what will happen up in Major League Baseball. Uh, this year, Major League Baseball had the pitch clock. There's a big hubbub about <laughs> it in the, in the first two, three weeks of the season, maybe even spring training, and people stop complaining when – you can watch a baseball game in two hours and 45 minutes. The average game here at Polar Park with the pitch clock, with ABS, which we'll talk about in a moment, two hours and 45 minutes. It's well under that that old mark that everyone used to say, get under three hours. That's two hours and 45 minutes. That's, that's including every game that went long, every game that was extra innings, all that kind of stuff. Two hours and 45 minutes. So pitch clock is doing it. ABS isn't slowing us down. Um, so that's the next step here. So in AAA, uh, if you were at one of the 
any of our games during the season, if you were here during a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday game, there was called a, we had full ABS. ABS stands for automatic balls and strikes. So on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, home plate umpire had an earpiece in his ear, and he was simply the messenger. So there was MLB came in here in the offseason and set up their Hawkeye system, set up their TrackMan, get all these this new technology to make a virtual strike zone um, that that umpire, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the home plate umpire, would call what he was hearing in his ear. So the second that that ball, not the second, the millisecond that that ball crosses that imaginary plane, he knows in his ear right away, ball, strike. And so he's just calling that. He's the messenger. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that home plate umpire still has his earpiece in, still has all those connections to ABS, but the home plate umpire would call his own game. So he sees that ball that, you know, you might think is a couple, a little bit off the outside. He calls it a strike right there. But then there's a challenge system. Pitcher, catcher, batter. Get the opportunity to challenge that call. Within about two seconds of the pitch crossing the plate. You got to make your decision quickly. So you see that batter taps his head. That means he wants to challenge what was called there. The catcher, same thing. Pitcher, same thing. That initiates a challenge. So that means that the pitcher or the catcher don't agree with what the call was that the umpire made or the batter doesn't agree. So 3-2 count, batter starts walking up the baseline because he thinks he just got ball four. Umpire punches him out, strike three, immediately turns around, batter turns around, taps his head. Umpire stops the game. He turns around, looks up towards us in the production booth and taps his head, initiating the challenge. And then the MLB tech, who is actually up there, MLB employee, not a Worcester Red Sox employee, uh, will initiate the challenge from up top. We will put it up on the board, and then you would see an animation of that exact pitch. And if one single pixel touches that strike zone, it is a strike. If one single pixel off of that strike zone, it is a ball. And you got to see that up on the board. Um, I, I do not have any insider knowledge on what is going to happen uh, in the coming years with Major League Baseball, but I can say from my perspective of seeing every single home game and comparing the times between the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, I don't think th- those challenges happened within 15 seconds and the next pitch has already started. Oh, yeah. And I think it was one of the coolest innovations, and I think that – the challenge system where the home plate umpire still calls his own game, I think will be the next step that we'll see in the MLB. Um, And Dave, you spent countless games actually recording balls and strikes in the game and that kind of stuff. So you know better than anyone. um, How interesting was it to see batters and catchers and pitchers actually finally get to, 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 to say to that ump, I don't think you got it right. You know, it's funny because there's there's always, like, one or two, like, kind of feeling that you get after it. I mean, personally, also, as, like, a baseball traditionalist, I love the Friday to Sunday games more because it still involves the human element of umpiring when it comes to balls and strikes, which is what, I mean, like, personally, at least I like watching the most. Um, but also, it's... I noticed a lot of teams they'll either use them either kind of randomly throughout the game or a lot of times they'll kind of save them towards the end of the game in case you know things are close and you really just need that extra push in case the umpire got it wrong. 
But you'll notice, like, sometimes, like, when a game just starts off and in the first inning you already have a challenge, it's, and then the, the challenge will be incorrect, and then the team loses that challenge for the rest of the game, every player from then on out is a little more timid about tapping their helmet and going on with the rest of it, which then it, I feel like it kind of eliminates a lot of that kind of like arguing in this kind of like area between players and umpires that you would have in the future where if the umpire got something wrong, the player would have no idea. And then that kind of trust between the two is all just kind of up in the air. But when you have the challenge system, player challenges in the first inning and then the player is wrong and the umpire is right, that team and that player now for the rest of the game has the, you know, has the perception of, okay, I trust this hump. He got it right, and I, have, I don't have much reason now to necessarily question him, and I'm not going to challenge as or much. Or you question whether or not you want to question him. Exactly, and then if you start questioning yourself, you're out of time because <laughs> you only get two seconds. So, I mean, it was. I think that was the biggest. It was a mind game. It was, it was another oh, yeah. game within the game. That's what I'm saying. That's why I loved that, too, because it still involved a human element of just – a separate kind of, like you just said, a separate game that's going on within the game. And then there's accountability. I think that's all players want is accountability for umpires. An umpire right now, uh, if they had full control over a game, you can see, you go on Twitter, you can see the umpire report cards and all that stuff, and they missed X amount of calls, or they had a 99.9% game where they got every single thing right. You know, those, those are the things that players want to see, the accountability of being able to say, you missed that call without arguing, just tap your head, you go up, and then you get to see instantaneously whether or not that call was correct, rather than going back into the dugout, going over to the, you know, the iPad and looking at it, and then complaining after the fact. It's something I, I left out, uh, but you had alluded to it, is each team starts with three challenges. But if you are successful in your challenge, so I'm a batter, and I get called strike three, but I challenge it, and it ends up being a ball. I don't lose that challenge. So you still have three challenges left. Theoretically, you have as many challenges as you want if you correctly challenge each time. But as Dave was saying, towards the end of a game, if all of a sudden your team has no challenges because you were mad about a strike three call that happened in the top of the first inning, and now there's a runner on third base or bases are loaded at the end of the game and you strike out on a 3-2 count that you say that ball was low – you used up your challenge. So it, there's going to be lots. And it's, you know, you look to um, football and it's that same type of thing. It's like, why did we challenge that on the first drive of the game? It's like at that point, you now have to think a lot deeper. And David's totally right about, you know, some games, these guys would come out and they come out firing with the challenges right away. And sometimes they're right and they're right and they're right. And it kind of creates this like, whoa, like what's happening here? But then, other times, you get one wrong, and you won't see a challenge for six, seven more innings until what I assume is your coach saying, okay, we can challenge again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to know, <laughs> but let's save them. So it was a very, very interesting um, switch or, or kind of wrinkle that the game, I think, will see. Again, I have no idea what will actually happen, but it's one of those things that it, 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 it evolved during the year. It changed during the year. Um, and I think that is just, you know, one of those really cool innovations where it is showing that, you know, baseball where as it used to sit and rest on its laurels of being baseball and everything, it's like we, there are active changes at least being tested out. And from a baseball 
purist, as Dave would say, base, lifelong baseball fan, I think it's one of the coolest innovations that we've had, and I think it's one of those things that can only give to the game rather than take away. And I think the part of, I mean, again, me personally, I think the part of ABS that makes it work the best is being able to see the reenactment of the pitch digitally, digitally like fed through the system up to the board. And then the umpires, the coaches, the players, the fans, anyone exactly sees the evidence of what the call is. Cause I think if it was even, even if they challenged it and it was still just a little thing, only the umpire can hear. And then he calls it, there's still a level that can possibly be there of like, well, un- how did that untrust Where? Yeah, with having the evidence there? It not only just shows the correct answer, but it builds a credibility amongst the people with each other on the field, whether or not the batter knows a hundred percent what he's talking about and whether or not the umpire a hundred percent called that call correct or not. And it, it builds that credibility. So then the rest of the game can just run a little bit smoother and everyone's more focused just on the game and not worrying if there's a ruling or something else that's skewing anything. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think we saw um, throughout the year which I think adds this really fun element to the game is when a player is egregiously wrong on the other team, they immediately tap their head and you could like, you could say like, Oh, well that has to be a strike. And then it is, you know, it's two balls out of the, or it's like a dead red fastball and they're trying to challenge it. Like the crowd reaction to that. Like once you start picking up on that, that's going to add, especially as you get into these bigger MLB stadiums and ballparks where you could have 40 50,000 people watching the game in a playoff game and I can only imagine what those reactions are going to be like and we we got to see it at scale here at Polar Park so I think that's a really really cool innovation I'm excited to see what MLB does with it yeah one last just one last thing about ABS we could go on about ABS yeah (laughs) literally but before we move on to the next thing just want to touch on that, what you just said about the fan reaction, and again, how great our fans are. I did not expect it to, for the challenges part, to be such a skeptical when Ben DeCastro would get on the mic and say, the opposing team has no more challenges left, and the whole crowd would just erupt just, with just cheering that the fact just just the fact that there's no more challenges we could be down by like four runs it's another, but it's if the win. other team has no more challenges <laughs> anything can happen now little victories <laughs> little victories um all right so we promise we won't go into abs any further unless you know we get an umpire on for our next which would be fun if you're an umpire out there let us know um Let's switch over to now. There were a lot of, uh, not only did we have record-setting things that happened uh, with ballparks and with the ballpark and with fans, uh, with food, but the on-field play this year, some of the coolest things that have happened, some of the craziest stats that you will ever hear, um, and we'll start with this one. The Worcester Red Sox had 79 different players wear the Worcester Red Sox uniform this year. 79 different players were on this roster, Worcester Red Sox roster. And Dave, what's a cool way that a Red Sox or Woo Sox fan could go about maybe guessing all these? Well, if you are a nerd in sports like me, you probably have heard of the website Sporkle. 
If you haven't, it is spelled S-P-O-R-C-L-E, sporkle.com. And Free on that, What? Go on. <laughs> and on that, you can search up, I believe the quiz is called, Can You Name All 79 Worcester Red Sox Players? And if you're listening to this, I think it's about a 20-minute timed quiz. And if you have 20 minutes set aside... And you take the quiz and you got a really good score, send on a screenshot, DM us on Instagram at Insider, and we'll find a way to incorporate fan scores and all this cool stuff. And maybe me me and Brendan sometime will sit down and take the quiz together for an episode and try and beat some of your guys' scores and see if you guys can beat Woosox employees. I'm not sure if that will say more about the fans or us, depending on if we lose or win, but <laughs> you can go on Sporkly. You can test your Woosox knowledge. If you claim yourself to be, you know, a diehard Woosox fan, you can really put it to the test there. And, you know, I'll tell we're, you what, we're it excited is. on seeing what you guys get. It is tough. Oh, yeah. It is tough for someone, you know, this year – Way less. I than stared out the roster every single day, and I was taking the test once, and I just went, I, I can't think of anyone. It, 79 <laughs> players. That's a lot of players. So on top of that, 79 players. And we'll put a link uh, to that Sporkle quiz. Um, All these links can, mentioned will be in the description. Uh, 271 roster moves. That is a... Um, I believe that's a Red Sox uh, record. Let me see. Where did I write it down? Yeah, record breaking 271 roster moves, most by a Red Sox affiliate ever. So, so a roster move, someone getting called up, someone sent down, someone, all of those different rosters, 271 roster moves. That is insane. We had th- – It's a lot of paperwork. Think about how many games <laughs> they played. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, get, more than a roster move a game. Getting that is sent down, insane. getting sent up, and then you have guys like Sedan who went from Double A to MLB in one year. And that's a great segue because the Worcester Red Sox had 24 non-rehab players. 24 non-rehab. So Trevor Story doesn't count. Christian Arroyo doesn't count. 20 or 20? What did I say? 24 non-rehab players called up. To the Boston Red Sox. That's your William Abreu. That's your Sadon Raphael. That's and Manuel Valdez. That's Bobby. That is all these guys. Twenty-four of them who played here in Worcester played wore the Worcester Red Sox uniform, made it, and got to play up um, for the Boston Red Sox. And at any given time, you could watch the Red Sox this year and see a guy that you've seen, you know, play at Polar Park. Which see William Abreu absolutely. Tear it up. Mash. At the end of the year there. Absolutely mash. And so uh, with those other kind of records, uh, we had Bobby Dahlbeck tied the International League record with 33 home runs. Or he was tied for the International League lead with 33 home runs. Uh, And he also had a, this is a StatCast estimated recorded 515-foot home run. Hashtag I believe 515. Hashtag I believe 515. Over... The duck boat in left center field. And if you know where the duck boat is, you probably thought you were safe from fly balls out there playing cornhole behind the duck boat. Not when Bobby Dahl backs up. (laughs) And then David Hamilton had 57 steals. That was a Red Sox AAA record. And on top of those 57 steals, the team itself had 197 stolen bases which is a Red Sox AAA record, which was originally set in 1983 by the Paw Sox with 148. 
197 stolen bases. 148 was the previous record. They beat the previous record on, I believe it was August 3rd. Just want to preface this as well. We did an episode just after opening day, and I believe it was you, or I don't know if TQ was still around for this episode, but I was asked what player I thought was the most impressive after the first two games, and my answer was David Hamilton. All over that I was field. excited to see what he was going to do on the Bates paths and what he was going to do at the plate. And he ended up getting called up later on in the year, had a short stint up couple there in times, Boston. Couple had, times, yeah. yeah. Came back down, still dominated when he was down here. So just want to say, just want to say, I was right. I was right about him. <laughs> we believe in Dave. So uh, additionally, so we had Bobby Dahlbeck with those 33 home runs. The team, Worcester Red Sox, altogether had 215 home runs. That is another Red Sox AAA record. Narciso Crook, uh, the original record was 209. Narciso Crook hit the 210th home run here at Polar Park. And so 215 home runs, that's a AAA record for the Red Sox. Um, And then we keep going down the line here. We had our franchise high win, so... Worcester Red Sox in, in the first three years, 79 wins is what they had for the 2023 Worcester Red Sox, which is the most from 2023. One for each player. One for each player. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, there you go. Incredible. Um, on the other side of things, we had some really cool uh, individual awards with one of, I think, the most important ones being, which you may have already guessed, with 271 roster moves and 79 different players on the team and still able to get 79 wins. Chad Tracy, uh, the Worcester Red Sox manager, was uh, voted by his peers in Baseball America uh, Best Managerial Prospect. So, I mean, that's an incredible that's an incredible honor. And I know if you talk to anyone in that coaching staff or those players, everyone loves Chad. He is, and we love him. He, he's always here to help out. Always here to you know do whatever it is to uh, you know make our lives easier on the production side of things, and then also you know we have a symbiotic relationship with him where you know we want to make sure that he has everything he needs to get his players ready and, and right for games. So Chad was absolutely incredible, and it was great to see that he was recognized for the work. That also, he did. always makes for great content on the broadcast. Always has a great reaction to what's going on on the field. Oh, uh, he's 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 wonderful. And if uh, if you don't know, you should look into Chad Tracy's uh, father. He was a manager. Uh, in the big leagues for a while, for the Rockies, for the Dodgers, I believe for the Pirates as well. And uh, you can see where Chad gets a little bit of his fire from if you look up old, uh, I believe it was John Tracy, I believe is his name. I'll, I'll get you the correct one, but I would look that up. He has some awesome clips out there. We've gone over a lot here. These are numbers. There are a lot of things that are uh, that happened during this season. Um, and... I think that this year really showed, you know, the potential of what not only do these players that we have currently on the field in this 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 farm system that has been revamped, that is full of all these guys that you know you look at some of these these guys that were playing on the on the the Worcester Red Sox and it kind of shows you the depth that the Boston Red Sox now have if we're able to have these guys play for the AAA team. Obviously, every single one of them wants to be on a major league roster, um, but the reality of it is that they were on this team and that we have so many prospects that are were on the team this year, and then we have 
an incredible crop of guys who are going to be, we expect to be on the team for 2024. Um, so we're going to see, continue to see this incredible, uh, you know, influx of, of talent and incredible play and exciting play. And uh, I'm very excited for what 2024 has to offer. But in the meantime, we have an off season that we need to get through and we need to give you all the information that isn't just in Bill Wanless's press release, which again, <laughs> all of this is from Bill Wan. Thank you, Bill. Thank um, you, Bill. But in the coming months, Dave and I will be working to get some uh, pretty special names here in the Worcester Red Sox <coughs> <Chad> organization. <Tracy>. <coughs> Hopefully. <coughs> yeah, Chad. Um, to be able to talk to some of these coaches to be able to hopefully talk to some players as we get further into the offseason and kind of check in with players. And then we also want to hear from you. We want to hear from the fans. We want to hear what you want to see uh, from Woo Sox Insider during this offseason, what you think would be an interesting episode, an interesting guest. And we'll do our best to try to, you know, get those people on um, or, or, you know, play Sporkle if you really want to see me struggle and see Dave rip through 60 of them and then I just can't. <laughs> help at all um but we're gonna have some really fun guests we're gonna have some hopefully fun different kind of episodes Wait, you're me you don't here. remember the one like the one at bat edwin diaz had no i don't no i actually could not tell you at all but you know one for one right i think so because yeah. he had like the thousand batting average that kept popping up pretty on good the league leaders graphic that we had yeah pretty good so <laughs> overall a incredible year for 2023 we still have a couple more months in the calendar year here but Let's just say that uh, as we get closer to the holiday seasons and, what, and whatnot, we're going to be able to have uh, a lot of different merch dropping. There are going to be tickets being released earlier than they've been released in the past. I don't have too much more information on that, but just know that we're going to have new kind of ticket plans. All these different things are going to be coming out in the coming months, uh, and it's going to make for a really exciting off-season and then before you know it, we're going to blink. We're going to be in that last week of March. The Woo Sox start this year on the road, and then they come back to Polar Park uh, in the first week of April, and then we will be rolling once again. Yeah, before before we end up sending this episode off, I just want to say it's crazy because when we started this podcast, when I was a part of it back with TQ and Decaf, before the 22 season started and we were talking about 21, talk about how how great it was and how we can't wait to see what comes after it after the 22 season ended we thought wow like we're this place is still building even though we already had the first year under our belt and now the second year's done like it's still not building as in a physical sense even though we were adding different physical amenities such as you know the right field scoreboard in 22 and stuff like that but like just fan deck this overall year. figuring out just how much we can be involved within the community how much we can actually give back to people what we can really do with this place in terms of different events and everything and then 23 was just a capitalization of that i mean we had the punch out at polar park we had the different fo- we had different football games we had just had the EBW classic lately i mean and i feel like the product in not only pr- not only productions but in tickets in the um, the Woo Sox rewards program that we have now those kinds of things everything is just taken an even bigger step up 
And now having doing an episode where it's after the third season where we did episodes recapping the first, recapping the second, now we're recapping the third, I still have that attitude of it's still being built. There's still more. There's still so much untapped potential. And I mean, just keeping that in mind, fans, when you come back next year and we say the motto, you know, 24 and there's even more or whatever the actual wording is, I forgot, I should probably know that. Even that's more on, in 24. That's, we'll that's on me. Um, there will actually be even more. That's not just something that we're saying. That's not just a selling point. There will be even more. And I think that's just the craziest part because I can't even believe it and I've been here the whole time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, being on the inside of some of the meetings and things that are happening that, you know, preparation for 24 started the day after the season ended, uh, the 23 season ended. And Dave's right. This this front office, um, just every single, uh, you know, employee and every single fan all brings their suggestions. All of those suggestions are actively getting looked at, and we are actively trying to find a way to make those things happen, to make this experience even better. And, you know, Dave, you hit it on the head, the nail on the head. It's this place isn't going to stop. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, it's a testament to uh, ownership. It's a testament to the front office. It's a testament to the fans, to the players, to everything, to the community, to Worcester, to Massachusetts, to New England. Um, and it, it's, it's really cool. And next year, I, you know, I get excited to think of what, you know, what will be changing in this ballpark or what we'll be adding to this ballpark. And there will be. And hopefully as we figure those things out and as we find out, we will share them with you. Um, and I think this is a perfect way to start off our off season. And once again, we want to hear from you, the fans, we want to hear what you want to see on the show. If you have show. any questions at all, if you have any opinions, if good or bad, if you have any recommendations for the podcast, please DM us on Instagram at Insider straight to our source just dm us right away and if we you know we get enough questions maybe we'll do a whole episode just like a q a style almost answering your guys's questions directly if we have a certain like high marquee guest coming up we'll make a post about it and you guys can dm the account and we'll get your questions directly to our guest so please guys if you all want to be more implemented or involved into the podcast and you know, we obviously want to have fans have more involvement as well. Any questions, opinions, recommendations, shoot it. So to all 545,231 of you out there, thank you so much for an incredible 2023 season here at Polar Park in the beautiful, wonderful world of Worcester. For Woosox Insider, our fearless producer, Dave Leonardi, I'm Brendan Black, and we will see you soon. That's a promise. Nothing like a Woo Sox party, because a Woo Sox party don't stop. <laughs> <laughs>